I want to talk a little bit about this concept because uh, in our language we just have one word. And it's, it's an insufficient word. It doesn't do the job unless... What was that kind of, a, of a, a word that you were talking about as far as day was concerned, Theron? A word that has lots of different meanings and there's no such thing as a default meaning unless you really put it into context. So we're going to try and put a little contextual clue behind it, all right? There's actually three levels of the word love. Probably more, but you have all used this expression, oh, I love green beans, right? Now, anyone that would say that has some problems, all right? Because there's nothing to love about green beans. You know those long stringy things you chew them half done and there's this stringy thing that gets caught around your tooth and you try and swallow and it keeps coming? All right, and besides, they're fuzzy like eating a caterpillar. No one in their right mind would say, anyway, some people have said, I love green beans. You know what that means. Sorry, you like them? See, I told you. All right, Yuli, thank you. You also say, I love you, Grandma. But you mean something radically different. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Or, if you're like um, Micah Harrison, you might say, I love you. Anyway, we'll, we'll just leave it there. Okay. But all three very different meanings. And we have to know exactly the context because there's no default here. So let's take a good hard look. It matches actually three Greek words. Uh, there we are. Sort of matches three Greek words that I know you're all familiar with. And... So rather than pretending like I know Greek, I'm going to move on, okay? (laughs) Eros is on one extreme. We'll just say it. And we'll put Eros. Eros is in that corner over there, over that speaker. That's where Eros is. Keep it there if you would. Eros can sometimes be mistaken for erotic. Now, it's in there. It's in there. I understand that. But it's much bigger than just raw sex. Um... There's a lot more to it. And so, for our purposes, let's kind of define it this way. It's going to stand for anything that brings... And the emphasis is going to be on me. Me. It brings me pleasure. In other words, it's something that uh, I will use or use up for my own personal being. So, let's talk about those green beans for a minute, right? Uh, what you're really saying when you say, I love green beans, is you're saying, I love you, but I intend to stab you with my fork, put you in my mouth, grind you to small pieces, and swallow you and suck all the nutrients from you, then eliminate you in a most rude fashion, all for my personal satisfaction. I love green beans. What's it about? Is it about the beans? No, it's about using the beans. And there's, a, there's an aspect of the word love that people... Uh, it's an abusive kind of love. All right? And sometimes people mistake that kind of love for what we're going to talk about over in this corner. And we don't want to make that mistake. All right? The thing about Eris is that it's, it's selfish. It's, um, it's very 
radical. It's going to change with time. In other words, it's, it's conditional. It's when I feel like it. And, and going back to the green beans, um, much as, as uh, Yuli loves green beans, I have a hunch that if you serve Brett green beans seven days a week, there would come a point when he'd say, enough! Isn't that right? Yeah, probably so. And so we get fed up with it. We get, we get and we don't love them anymore. In fact, we could even loathe them. And so we have to be careful, all right? In other words, there's a temporary aspect to this whole process, this whole concept of this eros quality of love. Don't get lost on that one. Phileo. Phileo is going to be right in the middle, all right? And phileo is, I love you... Because, now, I know there's a lot better meanings than this. But, okay, for our purposes this morning, can we use these definitions? And I think there's a hint of truth in what I'm telling you. So, you know, take a little bit of the truth out of this and carry it with you. There's this concept that says, I love you. And what we mean is, I love what you do with for me. Or there's a, a because. And it was Grandma that we said, right? I love you, Grandma. And we mean I phileo you, Grandma, because you make some of the best apple pie that I've ever tasted. Or I love you, Grandma, because your, your candy dish is always full of red-hot cinnamons. Or I love you, Grandma, because you make mashed potatoes like no other. This is my grandma I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> or I love you, Grandma, because when you take care of me, and mom and dad are away on a trip, I get everything I ever wanted. I love you, Grandma. I love you because, because you please me. Or um, because you're good to me. Or because I feel better when you're near me. And what I'd like you to do is, is to realize that you put in your because whenever. All right? There's something, and it's, it's not... You know, it's not a bad thing, but there's something about the other person that fulfills some part of who I am. And so we have this mutual relationship that's kind of neat. All right? Do you see it as a step up from, from this corner over here? That's, that's, the per, that's the point I'm trying to get at here. We move a little bit. We move from eros, phileo will be right in the middle, and then we go to um, agape. And we'll put agape way over there as far as we can get on that wall. And agape looks a little different. We would say, uh, we'd try and get the idea across that it's, it's almost the exact opposite of eros. Uh, this kind of love is a giving love. It's a, um, a relational kind of love. And when I'm in this relationship, it's not because of what you do for me or because I can use you. It's, in, it's a kind of relationship that says, I will do what's best for you. Would somebody read Philippians 2, 1 through 4? Somebody got a, a, a scripture up there? You could read that for us really loud, please. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Listen, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about this kind of love. Got it, Brad? I'm sure. oh, sorry, Sam. Brad, Sam, go. Intent on 
nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Mm. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Wow. And we're going to go to other portions of Scripture that describe this kind of love. But do you hear it in there? It's not your own interests that are even considered here. What I'm talking about is what's best for you. Some put it this way. This kind of love is doing the highest good. It's a choice mechanism. Um, and so, therefore, there is a commitment kind of, of issue associated with it. This is a kind of love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, that lasts. This is a kind of love that has some longevity to it. And when we come right down to it, this is the kind of love that we deeply long for. All right? Nobody wants to be used. We're willing to have a mutual give and take in order to achieve love. But what we really hunger for and what God has put in our hearts is for someone to care unconditionally, uh, generously, Without, um, without the possibility even of, of, of a selfish display. We hunger for that. And we have found that. We, those of us who know Jesus as Savior, we have found that very kind of love in the relationship that God had for us. Tell me for a few minutes, and this is where we open it up a little bit, how has God demonstrated His love for us. Please and speak loudly if you would. Several. Yes, I see a hand. Jason. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Nothing beautiful in ourselves. I heard something else over here. Good. Praise the Lord. All right. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. How else has God shown His love for us? Say it again. The provider. And James says it's good stuff that he provides. All right? Someone else. Patient and forgiving. Somebody else. What's that? Future and a hope. And, and really, if, if I had given you a little time to prepare, we could have 15 or 20 demonstrations of this unconditional pouring out of God's own self on our behalf. Agape. It's what love is all about. All right? In fact, 1 John says, this is, this is how we figured out what love is. God loved us first. And from that, we're able to measure all other relationships, all other kinds of love. All right? So we suggest it's based on choice, and we would also say that it's very lasting. Now, what kind of relationships do we see around us? And, and my statistics here could be a little bit off. All right? But from what I see on TV, what I've noticed in... Theron told me about it because he's the only one that watches movies. Uh, in the movies... In the songs, um, around my neighborhood, this is what I see. Would you disagree? Maybe 99% you disagree with, but you see a lot of that. A lot of selfishness in relationship. All right? Question. 
what kind of relationship do you want? And most people would say, I want that agape stuff. That's, that's what I'm looking for. So um, how are we going to plug all this together? How are we going to put this inside the context of marriage? Let's take a look at what agape looks like. We would say that Eros treats um, others as things so that I can get pleasure out of them. On the other hand, agape treats others as a person, a person of value. There's honor there. Um, there is a relational safe place. Do you like that concept? I want this local church to be a very safe place. And you know what it is? Um, ladies, you're going to get together what time, Yuli? 7.30 Tuesday. You know what? You're going to come, ladies, and you're going to find a safe place. You're going to find that there are caring, loving, supportive people who have problems just like you do. Not afraid to admit it, but willing to work together to see God accomplish something. Okay? Uh, I want that for the local church. I want that in my marriage. I want to be able to come home and know that there's someone there who is going to give, give, give on my behalf. And I'm here 40, how many years? 40? Married? 40 years later to tell you that that's what's happening. And it's a good thing. And I crave that for every marriage in this local church. And i got a whole bunch of singles sitting out there. And I crave it for your marriage. And you know what? You have to start now if it's going to be a reality in your marriage. And so if, if, if there's been a possibility of a little selfishness in your attitude toward a relationship, or even if it's, okay, I have a relationship, but it's, it's a lot about me, that needs to go. And there needs to be a focus, a commitment to doing what God says in His Word, and that is to love, an unconditional kind of doing the highest good. Um, and when you do that, you say, well, I'll get burned. No. Uh-uh. When you pour agape love into any relationship, you come out stronger. And I'm not saying that's why you do it, because that's selfish. But the, God's blessing is you come out stronger, you come out more Christ-like, you come out benefiting for any investment you make. That doesn't say there won't be pain. When Christ loved us unconditionally and demonstrated His love to us, what did it cost him? Everything. He bankrupted heaven, according to Scripture. He bankrupted heaven in order to save my soul, to love me with that agape love. Isn't that 2 Corinthians 8? Does that sound right? Is that the right reference? Someone check it out. Okay? Wow. So what we're really looking for is the kind of relationship that is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's verses 4 through 8. You can quickly read through that. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow! Isn't that what we hunger for? If we hunger for it, we have to find the source, which is God. We have to enter into a relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then we have to allow His Holy Spirit to train us and teach us and move us to the point where we can be that giving kind of person. Not easy. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Well, Scripture says very clearly in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, agape your wives. Where's all the husbands? Raise your hands. All right. Here's the question. When I turn this loose, and, and it's time for your wife in 30 seconds or so to start telling us about your relationship, will she say, my husband agapes me? All right, ladies, that guy raised his hand. What? No, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not even going to let Betty talk on that issue, all right? <laughs> I told you he wasn't a heretic. I was wrong. (laughs) Is this a joke? Husbands, was God messing around when he said this? He wasn't? I don't see a lot of this. I don't see a lot of this kind of love. I do in this local church but I think there's a ton of room for improvement. Wives, vote. Yes, no. Is there room for improvement? Sure. Sure. And we need to encourage one another. Singles, where are you? Are you loving with this kind of a love? Say, well, you know what? If I do that, I'm I'm going to get burned. If I pour myself into somebody and then they turn around and say, sorry, see ya, I'll, I'll come out the loser. No, you won't. No, you won't. If that were the case, then God's not real. God's lying to us, folks. He commands us to love one another. And if it was just so that He could see us get beat up and hurt, uh uh-uh, that's not my good God. I don't believe that you can lose by investing agape into other people. And singles... If you haven't started, start this moment. Commit to, the, to being this kind of a person. But the Scripture says, Husbands, love your wives. I believe this is agape. All right? And, and the reason I say that, and the reason I say it's unconditional, is because look at the, um, look at the uh, what do you call that? A caveat? Is that, a, is that the right word? Look at the, at the framework of husbands love your wives. What does it say in that next phrase? Husbands, love your wives. Are we on the same page? Did I? Sorry, honey. There we go. There we go. Say it again. As Christ loved the church. Okay? So it's not some fakey or um, wishy-washy or shallow little kind of love. It is a giving of self. And that's the command of Scripture. Husbands, love your wives. All right? Now, there is another side to the picture. And uh, the word respect rears its head in here someplace. It's actually Ephesians 5.33. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect 
her husband. Now, I don't have a whole lot of ground for this, and so you can throw stones if you want, but I think this is agape as well. I think this is tied in. And, and I'm going to suggest that the respect shown in this verse is unconditional as well. Ugh. See, we are taught, and I believe it's wrong teaching, we are taught that if my husband loves me the way Christ loved the church, then I will respect him. Isn't that what we hear? Love me, baby, and I'll respect you. But I don't find that in this verse. In fact, when we go back in the, in the, in the chapter uh, in Ephesians, if you went back to verse 21, 22 in there somewhere, you know what it says? It says that the woman is to be submissive to her husband. And the idea of submission is connected with that concept of respect. And, and so I'm going to go a little bit further. Um, there's a, 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 a reference in 1 Peter 3 where it says, um, if you are a wife, you must put your husband first. Even if he opposes our message, you will win him over by what you do. No one else will have to say anything to him because he will see how you honor God and live a pure life. There's an unconditional dimension to this kind of respect, ladies. If I wait for my wife to show me respect before I love her, I miss the point of what God is saying in His Word. If Christ had waited for us to respect Him before He came and died for us, He would never have come. Do you understand that? Jason said when Christ died for us, we were what? Still sinners, still God-haters. But He loved us unconditionally. And so that's the way I'm to love my wife. If my wife waits for me to love her as Christ loved the church before she submits or respects me, it's never going to happen. And yet that's the way it is. Instead of agape, we've gone back in here to either phileo or eros. Am I making sense here? We're either being very selfish or we're saying, well, if you do what's good for me, I'll do what's good for you. Or the old scratch back kind of thing. All right? I believe the Word of God teaches that it's unconditional love. I believe it teaches that it's unconditional respect. And so we're going to talk about the whole concept of love and respect. That's where we're going this morning. All right? Um, there's a book by Emerson Egrich called Love and Respect. And this is where I'm getting this information. Uh, several mo- it was before, before you got married... JP, that you came and asked me, Lev, have you ever heard of the book Love and Respect? And I hadn't. So I thought, well, I better get that book in case, you know, there's something, anything. That... I'll tell you what, this is a life changer. All right? Not the book, the concept. This is a wedding maker. This is a marriage saver. All right? Because it's what the Word of God teaches. I'm not saying it's because of what Emerson taught, it's because of what the Word of God teaches. This could be the best stuff your marriage has ever experienced. All right? Why am I saying that? Because when we plug the Word of God into our lives, it works. 
When we live by the book, it works. And we want marriages that work. We want marriages that just sparkle. On April 18th, I believe it's April 18th, we're going to have a marriage conference here. And singles, you can come too. But what we're going to do is use this video series, Love and Respect, and, and we're going to show it, and we're going to have discussion questions in between and so on. I want you all to mark out that day. I think it's a very valuable time. But without getting too deep into what it's all about, let me just suggest that the reason I think this has been so helpful for Betty and me is because we have lived in what Emerson Egrich calls the crazy cycle. The crazy cycle. Where Betty will say something that I think is a little bit edgy or disrespectful. And instead of processing and responding in a way that's godly, God-honoring, because it seemed to me like she was disrespectful for who I am and what I, what I intended, I punched back with a little bit of a lack of love. And when she experiences that lack of love, she's going to respond to me with a little more disrespect, which causes me to respond with a little less love. It looks like this, okay? This is, this is Egrich's. I, I stole his copyright, okay? Without love in a relationship, she reacts without respect. And without respect in a relationship, he reacts without love so that she reacts without respect, so that he reacts without love, so that she reacts without... Blah, 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 you get it? And it starts to spiral. And it becomes almost like a tornado. And you've been there. You've lived through that. And so have your kids. Okay? And that's tragic. That's tragic. This needs to be stopped. This needs to be changed. There needs to be some adjustment in our marriage relationship. I asked Carrie and Aaron Walling if they'd be willing to share a little bit from their own personal testimony about this love and respect business. Guys, do you want to come up here or you want to do it back there? <clears throat> Basically, uh, Carrie and I came to Keith and Betty a couple years ago, and our our marriage had gotten to the point where there was no love or no respect because, first of all, we didn't have uh, God in our lives, so we couldn't understand it. Um, but as we started to apply these principles, um, wasn't overnight, but it, it, we kept meeting with the Leverances and kept working on our marriage. And as I started to understand that Carrie. Uh, needs an unconditional love for me and she started to understand that respect is so to speak my ask yourself would I like to be married to me 
or what would it be like to be married to me? And of course, my wife said, I'd have a perfect marriage. (laughs) (laughs) But she said that jokingly because she's learned that she isn't perfect, and I've learned that I'm not perfect. Continue. I think the biggest thing for me is just uh, realizing the whole respect thing has been huge. And uh, when I don't respect him, just what Love was saying, I don't know, it, just, it does work, just really works. And, and when we slowly, things get good, we start to not do that because we think, oh, this is going good. And then things start to spiral back into the crazy cycle. We realize that, and it, it's just constant work and keep doing it. Um, gets easier, but you just have to keep doing it. What I've really realized, <laughs> and, and a lot of it too, what she touches on in the book is understanding how we communicate differently. He uses the men see th- things through blue lenses, and women see things through pink lenses. Uh, meaning, one example he gave is when a woman says, or when a man says, "I don't have anything to wear," he means all my clothes are dirty. <laughs> when a woman says, "I don't have anything to wear," She means, I don't have anything new to wear. <laughs> and it's funny and it's simple, but even little things like that help me understand. When I'm coming home from a hard day at work and the kids are all over, the dog's jumping at me, and Carrie looks like she just got ran over by a train, <laughs> and it's coming at me like nagging, I guess would be the word. It helps me understand that she isn't nagging because she's this and that and she can't stand me. It's because she she's leaning on me she's looking to me to to help her to that i'm her rock and understanding that that's how she communicates has helped me love her better um respect i just thought of this Uh, i always thought when the joke about me being perfect that um when i would talk to aaron i thought because i wasn't yelling and attacking him that that's why i was perfect but it's not it wasn't about how I was saying things to him. It was just what I was saying and how hurtful things can be. And that's a lot of what I learned about the respect part of things. And now our marriage is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the neat thing about these two is that uh, they're quick to recognize when they need some help. They're quick to, to recognize when, when things are moving in the wrong direction. And um, quick to turn to God. In, in times like that. So um, I appreciate their, their growth. Um, we went to Las Aztecas. That's our, kind of our hangout with these two because it was Aaron's favorite restaurant when we first started meeting with them. And we looked across the table and we said, you know, this is two years later, we said, do you know how exciting it is to sit across the table from you guys and know that you care for each other, know that you're not going to walk out the door, know that you're not going to kill one another, What a thrill. And it's God who's done a great work. But he's used some of these concepts. Thanks, guys. Excellent work. Appreciate it. I want Betty to talk just for a little bit about how it looks from her perspective, this whole business of of respect. Honey, you got anything you want to throw in here? Um, I I just think of different different things that you know, you disagree with in, in marriage. I mean, there's a ton. You, you are two opinionated people. 
And um, I think of things like, um, it's not really my preference to have a television on the ceiling in my bedroom. You know, that's not really my preference. But yet it's something that brings joy to my husband. And so it, it would be probably not respectful to demand that he not have a, a television on the ceiling of my bedroom. And, um, and so it's things like that that I've just through the years, um, I really feel like God has shown me a lot of times to bite my tongue and and pick your pick your battles, pick your things that you can um, really show respect to your husband about, um, because that's how God wants us to act. And uh, I think thinking before we lash out uh, at our husband and instead trying to see some good in in what decision they've made. And so what if they make a decision that fails? You know, that's what we have to come to as women. So what if they make a decision that fails? Um, Even if we have to suffer some consequences, um, we still need to respect uh, the decision that our our husbands make. Let's talk about that um, invisible fence for the dog. Yeah, sure, you'd want to bring that one up. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I thought that that was a lot of money to spend when... um, when we first uh, decided to have that, I thought, oh, do we really need that? Can't we just, you know, teach him to stay in the yard or whatever? Well, it was wonderful. It just saved hours of not having to t- uh, mind the dog and lead, take the dog out on a leash or whatever. So he was very, very right, and I was very, very wrong. And uh, it's things like that that just, you know, it shows your, um, really shows your character to be married really shows the bad side of your character, I think, to be married because there's a lot of give and take and a lot of, uh, you know, not being right about everything that's necessary. Thanks, Emma. Yeah, that's what I want. We're not going to tell any other stories, but, uh, (laughs) yeah. Do you want the TV one? (laughs) Um, I don't know where the clicker went. Sammy, if you could put up the discussion questions. Here it is. These are for you. And singles, you can, you can jump in here too. Uh, let's just take a couple minutes. How can you show love to your wife, men? Aaron. Fantastic, fantastic. I'm going to ask you to store this um, 
because of time, we, we really have to move through here. But please, these are very important questions. And, and you, need to, you need to have a list of things that you put together, both from the male and the female point of view. The point uh, that is coming out here is that marriage is really hard work. One of the problems is we struggle living in a sin-filled world. And uh, all of us struggle with a sin nature. Uh, and that's why having Christ in your marriage is just a fantastic source of strength. Let me say that again. Having Christ in your marriage is a fantastic source of strength. You desperately need both of you to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I got another word of testimony, and this comes from um, Jason and Sarah Francis. Uh, and this is hard for them, but I'm thankful that they're willing to do it. Guys, could you talk for a minute about your relationship with the Lord and what a difference it's made as far as your relationship is concerned? You want to talk? I love getting in front of people. Um, well, I guess we got to start by uh, uh, talking about what it was without Christ in our life. And uh, basically, <coughs> uh, getting married and living for the world and doing everything for, for ourselves. And <coughs> I don't know, not loving or respecting each other was uh, very hard. Um, basically about Torah's part. And uh, then uh, God intervened at the perfect time, of course. Uh, and I ended up getting saved first. And we uh, still struggled quite a bit. Not as much, a little, little less at first. And then really started struggling again because she didn't know exactly what I was getting into once I got saved. Um, but then, thankfully, um, God saved her too. And ever since, it's just been, I mean, we, we, we don't have the worldly things anymore. We get basically get rid of them and out of a hundred times, I do it a hundred times again. But I mean, it's just been so great in our in our marriage. It's better than I could have even thought when we first got engaged that it would ever be with Christ, because we always have Him to lean on. And I mean, things. I mean, they still get hard now and then. I mean, we'll turn to the world and <coughs> and start and. Keep get back in our own ways, yeah. our old ways. <laughs> get talking with, yeah, worldly people basically, and uh, mm -hmm. not have Christ in. And then it's nice to know you can always turn back to Christ, and that basically solves every every problem we have. I think, mm -hmm. but. Mm -hmm. Well, like I was just saying to Jason last night, it's funny. Um, like I, I never really knew what love was until a couple of years ago, really. Like just how, I, I think it was basically exactly what I was saying to him last mm -hmm. night. Like in, you know, you had your boyfriend, you know, your first, you know, boyfriends in high school and whatever. But it, um, yeah, it wasn't until just a couple of years ago that I really knew what love really was so 
Absolutely thrilling, and I, and I can tell you that uh, their lives have been just a fantastic stimulus to Betty and me. Uh, boy, watching God work in their lives just, just says to us, get going, you two. You're not going to be able to keep up with Jason and Sarah. And uh, that, that's a thrilling thing. So it's, it's a mutual uh, blessing for us to have them, and, and hopefully we can be of some blessing to them. But it's all because it's focused on and centered around the Lord Jesus. And, and without that, man, I can't tell you uh, how tough life can be. Well, you know how tough life can be, but like Sarah said, you won't know how much better it can be until the Lord Jesus steps in and in both of your lives becomes uh, Savior and Lord. So very, very important. Um, well, we're going to run out of time. In fact, you know what? We're going to quit. Um, I was ragging on the guys about going overtime, and, and here I am... Um, there's more to be said, but hopefully if you can come back on the April the 18th, Betty and I will take a few more minutes and uh, share a few more things that we have, but also um, use these videos, and I think they'll be a real blessing to you. Let's get the music team up here and uh, have a little time when we can remember the Lord and worship together. Thank you. <laughs>